Welcome to episode one of Sound Motives. My name is Dave Castilla. I'm a radio producer and music fan here in London, as well as being an aspiring music producer myself when I can find the time to work on projects of my own. Now, the motivation behind this interview series stems from the feeling you get when you discover something genuinely exciting and game-changing for you within music. Now, that can come in any form, whether it's a production technique or a genre you've never heard before. But that buzz that opens your mind up to new possibilities and inspires you to create something of your own, that's really the essence of this series. With Sound Motives, I'm looking to discover what has significantly influenced and inspired the sounds of musicians that I respect. And through our conversations, I'm looking to learn and get inspired myself, and I'm hoping you, the listener, do too. So with each episode, you're going to hear original productions from my chosen guests, as well as what has influenced them in their musical direction. I'm going to pick out a number of these key influences. They're what I call sound sources. And if you head to the Sound Motors website, you'll be able to browse these sources individually, as well as streaming or downloading the interviews in full. Now, an area that I'm really interested in is seeing where influences in other modalities like film, art and literature can also shape the sound of a musician's output. So hopefully in upcoming episodes, we'll be able to investigate where music meets culture more broadly. Now we're at Sound Motives on Twitter, on Facebook and on SoundCloud. So if you do check the show, we'd love to hear what you think. Now moving on to episode one, late last summer, I had the pleasure of meeting this guy. Hey, hey, what's up? This is Shigeto. We're just hanging out backstage at Electroworks by Angel Station in London. Currently on a summer short UK and European tour and uh, just hanging out before the show. Releasing on Ghostly International and with a back catalogue that includes the albums Full Circle, Lineage and 2013's No Better Time Than Now, Zach Shigeto was a drummer originally and only later became a producer. In a while we're going to discuss the live show as well as Zach's feelings towards touring as a solo artist, but first I wanted to hear about his childhood in Michigan. I spent 18 years of my life in Ann Arbor, which is about I'd say 40 minutes outside of Detroit. Ann Arbor has an interesting relationship with Detroit. I always spent a lot of time there, went to most of my shows growing up there. My father grew up there and my grandfather kind of settled in Detroit. So I've always spent time there, but I do not claim to be from there because Ann Arbor is quite a different place from Detroit. It's definitely a, a university town. It has its pros and cons from that, but because of the university, there's always been a really dense art 
music culture going on throughout the generations from you know Iggy and the Stooges came from my high school from back in the day and then you have people like Mayor Hawthorne uh, Sam I Am on Brain Feeder Floral Halo on Hyperdub myself and then a whole other list of people just throughout the years who have all kind of came from this one little place um, so it's helped it's like my biggest influences are definitely from growing up in in Ann Arbor
background, the beautiful Ann Arbor parts three and four from 2012. And before that, Detroit part two from 2013's No Better Time Than Now album. Now with the titles of these tracks, it's clear that Zach Shigeto's upbringing has had a really significant influence on his output. And although today Zach has developed a unique sound that blends the sometimes melancholic melodies of electronica with the aesthetics of hip-hop and Detroit techno, it turns out that initially he had very different musical aims. I got into jazz at a pretty young age. I guess maybe I was about nine or ten. And that was kind of the dream for a while. I just focused on that, went to university for that, didn't graduate that was kind of a turning point for me in terms of my musical like goals, I guess. But I grew up on that, playing that. It was, it was all jazz.
That, of course, is John Coltrane's resolution taken from 1965's seminal A Love Supreme on Impulse. That record was a massive childhood inspiration for my featured artist Shigeto, alongside albums from Ferris Sanders, Miles Davis, Bill Evans, and Herbie Hancock. All these albums, which by the way you can find more details about on the Sound Murders website, contributed to Zach's initially pursuing jazz as his primary musical focus. And for anyone who's seen Zach perform live on the drums, his jazz background will come as no big surprise. But whilst researching this interview, I realized that Ghostly International, the label that has released all three of his albums, is actually from his own hometown of Ann Arbor. And so I wondered, how is it that a jazz head crossed paths with what was at the time a very small and underground electronic label like Ghostly? When they started in 1999, I was in high school still, and I was introduced to Ghostly through a friend of mine, Charles Trees, who's another musician uh, involved in the whole Ann Arbor scene. But, um, yeah, it was just this new thing, like, whoa, record label, local, oh, love their logo, oh, wow. And so I just kind of, in a lot of ways, ghostly opened my eyes to the dance side of electronic music. So.
was Fex from Matthew Deere, originally released way back in 2003, and before that it was Drip from Lucin, taken from 2004 serial Hodgepodge album. Following on from Zach's early jazz period, these tracks were his first electronic discoveries. So let's take a minute right now just to check out a few other influences of his from that time growing up in Michigan. I had already been listening to a lot of earlier warp. Uh, grew up on 90s and early 2000s hip-hop. Crosstown beef be like crosstown traffic. Brothers be on some real shit. Every man gets scared when we're prepared for confrontation. When the slugs penetrate, you feel a burning sensation. Crosstown beef be like crosstown traffic. Brothers be on some real shit. Every man is scared but prepared for conversation. But it wasn't really that familiar with more electronic stuff. So yeah, in high school, Ghostly kind of opened my eyes to that. first heard Dabre 1-3, that particular album, I had never heard that combination of things. I had never heard this, the swing you get with kind of Dilla or Detroit-inspired hip-hop instrumentals, Motown-inspired stuff, mixed with the sounds of techno, essentially. These alien future synthetic noises and I just never heard electronic music that sounded so human you know and it blew my mind because I was like a jazz Nazi for a while
I was like, oh, this is the superior art form completely. Electronic music is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, Aphex Twin, I can get down with that, but, you know, fuck this shit, you know? And I was like that for years, and, and that album was just like a slap in the face to me because I had literally, I just never heard anything like it. And I was like, wow, this is like a whole different world sonically, but yet it feels, so, it's grooving so hard, and I just became obsessed with it. hindsight this might seem like a stupid question to ask an electronic music producer but bear with me i wondered was hearing darby productions and some early ghostly international really enough to turn a militant jazz head in an electronic direction it wasn't an immediate thing it was kind of electronic music was this realm i was afraid to enter it was like all my friends were mcs and djs and producers and the way i was involved was like yo you want to sample me playing this drum break or you know, I'd like to hang out with them, but I was like afraid. It was just like being afraid of anything you don't understand yet and you, you might not be good at it or you might, you know. So it was like this thing I always stayed away from, but I, I actually, after New York for uh, university, I lived in London um, for three years, three and a half years in London. And it was not musically related. It was, I came for a job and to get away and experience life. But during that time, I came down with chronic tendonitis in my forearms and I was unable to play drums for a long time, like seven months, eight months. And during that time, I became really depressed and just I couldn't even work. Like I was not on unemployment or anything, but it was like I was calling into work because I was in pain and I couldn't brush my teeth without it hurting and all this stuff. And my brother suggested making some beats. He was like, hey, why don't you just do this because you can be creative and you're not stressing your arms out. You know, of course now I have like tendonitis in my wrist from that. No, but it's uh, it was amazing. It was like... It was the time in London when I was injured that I kind of entered that realm because I had no other choice in a way and I just fell in love with it. It's just incredible when you realize that you don't depend on anyone else and that your entire world can be inside of the software. It was, it was like, whoa.
I guess we all probably realize on some level that the challenges we face in life are really opportunities for us to overcome and succeed, but it's definitely cool to be reminded of that. Without tendonitis, Zach Shigeto might never have loaded up reason for the first time, and from that dark period, something positive might not have followed. But it did, and you're listening to it. A track entitled May from the New Crossings EP from 2008. Zach's first officially released piece of music, which was a direct result of his injury. Pretty cool. You also heard Darby's Hyped Up Plus Tax from 1-3, and before that, music from jazz drummer Brian Blade, a track entitled Folklore. You heard hip-hop from Adina Green, Crosstown Beef from the Sound Bombings 2 compilation on Raucous Records. If you missed that the first time around, you definitely have to check it out. And Boards of Canada, beautiful place out in the country, on Warp. Now fast-forwarding back to now, I wanted to hear about the inspiration behind Zach's most recent album title, 2013's No Better Time Than Now. I named the album No Better Time Than Now specifically kind of as a... As I guess to inspire and stuff, but mainly is a self note to self because I felt like and feel like a lot of the time I focus on what I had or what I what I want and don't really look at the moment. So it's just kind of it was a reminder to just tell myself, remember, right now is really what matters. Yeah. It's like something I still have to remind myself, obviously. heard the title track from Shigeto's third studio album, 2013's No Better Time Than Now. The live show for that album involves Zach playing live drums, his laptop, and pads. 
But as the two of us sat in the dressing rooms of the Electroworks ahead of his London date, I wondered, what's it like being a solo performer on the road without the camaraderie of a band or fellow musicians? Definitely a love-hate relationship. Performing especially, I, I was not used to because coming from a drumming background, I've always just been there to hold it down and there's all these other people there. So being the only person was a big, big change for sure. But on the brighter side of things, because you aren't depending on anyone else, the spontaneity of what you decide to do and what will work is so much bigger because just in a split second, you can be like, I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. And bam, it's done. It's like you don't confirm it with anyone, you know. But I miss interacting with other musicians. I think a, a live ensemble is definitely the next step, but it's just, I gotta figure out how I want it to be done, you know. But it's, it's definitely a place I want to return to, you know, playing with other people. A significant burden of the electronic musician is making the transition from the studio to the live show. Having controlled every element in the sequencer with crazy precision early on in the production process, the live show requires entering uncharted territories when it comes to giving up that control. For it to work as a live show, there needs to be freedom and there needs to be performance involved for it to be engaging to the audience. But this can and often does compromise the original sounds. And yet sometimes it can really work. I've heard James Blake and his band improving CMYK and a bunch of other songs within the live setting, making them sound better than they did in their original form and going beyond the original record. And so for Shigeto, I was curious to hear if his live show is currently where he wants it to be. Oh man, there's so much more I could be doing. You know, I, I just, I think uh, the way I'm doing it now, which is working for now, is rather than recreating it, I'm taking a set skeleton of something that I've already made and then creating space for me to just go over it. I try to have my drum patterns not be what's on the track. I try to have them fit within what's already there. So it creates another layer rather than doubling something up, if that makes sense. And I think that drums in particular is a is a pretty engaging instrument because it's quite physical and it's very obvious what you're doing you know it's like you're hitting it and the audience is like whoa look at that it's like when you have these knobs and these buttons you know the the guys right up front grilling you they know what's going on they're like oh he probably has that map to that and stuff but no one else knows you know so i think the drums just adds so much in that sense but I want to get rid of the laptop man I'd love to just have everything triggered from pads and just be able to have the live set be its own instrument eventually
to Sound Motives with my special guest, Shigeto. While Zach talked about his live show, it reminded me of a discussion I'd heard regarding Mount Kimby a number of years ago. They began as bedroom producers making music for themselves, rather than really thinking about how or where it would be experienced. But as their popularity grew, they began playing live to larger and larger audiences, performing music that was never really intended for that purpose. And so with their second album, they decided to write music specifically with the intention of it being performed live and making sure that it would work in that setting. So with Shigeto's regular touring, I wondered, does performance inform writing or do the two aspects of being a musician remain independent of each other? The live show now definitely inspires the way I write, but at the beginning, I had no intention of ever playing live. Yeah, and I think each album, after I've written it and I start performing it, I get more and more clues and ideas of how to make it more cohesive. Just one simple thing that's changed is I am more comfortable and have more fun playing drums at faster BPMs. And this is something I never realized until I had to start playing live all the time. And I then realized that most of my tracks that I had made were all at very slow BPMs and that adding drums to them doesn't necessarily bring anything new. It, it's just, oh, he's playing the drums. You know, it's not making that track something different for the live set. It's more gimmicky. And I, that's my biggest fear. So it was like, 
man, I should just start writing tracks that I like to play over. So that that's where tracks like Ringleader and Perfect Crime came from like the ideas of those on my last album was just like what am I gonna have fun rocking out on you know and it was like I'd never written that way before Zach Shigeto's favorites to perform live from his 2013 No Better Time Than Now album, Ringleader and Perfect Crime with Mount Kimby sandwiched in between. Now when it comes to my own production, when I make a beat, when I load up Ableton and I listen to the same thing roll around for 16 bars, 32 bars, 64 bars for two weeks, I never want to hear it again. If I were making music of Shigeto's caliber, I might feel different about it, but unfortunately I don't. I make the stuff I make. And yet, I wondered how does that scenario work for a professional musician? 
if you're touring material that came out a year ago and would have been made sometime before that, do you still get sick of it? I think, <laughs> I mean, it's like, like with most releases, even when they're brand new, they're old to you. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think it fits well with the live set. I still enjoy playing the tracks live, but I can't listen to them anymore. And they're very different from what I've been making. But even with what I've been making, I don't feel like I've reached the next thing. I feel like with every album, personally, I find something new that is part of a big picture. And when that happens, that's when I know I have an album, kind of. The last project, uh, No Better Time Than Now, that whole album was written pretty much when I had moved to Detroit from New York and I had a new space. It was the first time that I had a space dedicated to music that was separate from where I lived. It was the first time that I could have every instrument that I owned hooked up all at once. So it was like, it was the band album. It was the audio album. It was like everything was just audio going in to reason rather than sitting there programming these very intricate electronic things. It was like jamming with myself. And I think that worked for that album, but I don't think it's what the next one should be necessarily. And with that, our chat backstage prior to the Electra Works show got wrapped up. Later that evening, I got to see Shigeto perform live, and it's definitely worth checking when he's next in town. He's technically an amazing drummer, with haunting melodies and a real attention to detail sonically, which for me makes it a fascinating and visceral experience to witness. Regarding collaborating with other musicians, this year Shigeto has begun making that live ensemble performance a reality. And as far as I know, he's already done at least one show in Detroit as an ensemble. So I'm really excited to see the next progression of Shigeto live. Many thanks to Ghostly, to Laurent, and of course Shigeto for making our chat happen. For me, it was really exciting to hear a musician talk so honestly about his life and his art. I really appreciate the time taken. Now remember, you can check out all the influences, all the sound sources discussed today, as well as other shows by Googling Sound Motives, or you can check us out on Facebook, hit us up on twitter we're on soundcloud at sound motors or you can subscribe to the podcast thanks for joining us and we'll be back with episode two of sound motors soon peace Thank mm-hmm. you.